Faith Like a Child podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Sashri, here as, well, I would say as always, but it's only episode two. So here as so far always with my <laughs> co-host and friend, Megan Clark. Say hello, hello, Megan. We are so glad you are here with us once again. Uh, if you've listened to episode one and still hung around and decided our brand of um, tired, slightly crazy mom talking about faith is your jam, then welcome aboard. We are going to dive in today on um, a, maybe not the hardest question in terms of uh, emotional baggage on the surface, but it is, in fact, actually, to me, one of the biggest questions in part because it's literally what the Bible is asking and explaining to us, and that is the question, who is God? And various sub, uh, various sub-questions like, what is he like? What is his character? Um, and all of those good things. Uh, so the format that we're kind of loosely going to use for, as we explore these questions just to, is normally going to be to share a little bit about what our experience has been, how, how we answer this question personally. If we happen to have had a conversation with our kids about it, maybe a little bit about that, how that experience went, um, and then go into why is it so hard to answer the question, um, exploring some of the things we've read or heard to kind of help us explain these things and then getting into the end of how we talk about this with our kids. But with this particular question, it felt to me at least um, like it might be easier to start with why is it so hard? Because I feel like uh, why is it so hard and what has been our experience kind of tie in very closely on this question. And so uh, really, like I said earlier, I when you think about the question who was God and then you look at the Bible, like literally the entirety of the Bible is talking about who is God. And who are we in relation to God? What is our relationship to God? That's kind of the whole point of faith and religion, right? So in that sense, it's really hard to answer that because there's so many different ways that you could approach that. And so, uh, Megan, I'm curious to hear from you. What, when, you when you hear the question, what, who is God? How do you answer that? Or, or what makes you like kind of that, that freeze moment in your head of like, oh, how do I answer that? Like, what is your initial thought when you when someone asks you that question, and how would you either respond, or how are you struggling <laughs> to answer that? What What's your thought process behind that? I'm curious. Well, when I get you know when when you told me that topic, now my first instinct is to just laugh a little bit because you know you get a little older, you get a, a little wiser, not much, but a little. You know, you realize that 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 question cannot be fully answered. Um, it is subjective to you know, our experience so far, how we can answer it, how we view God. Um, and also he is God, therefore he is not fully knowable. Um, but when that question is asked by your then five-year-old, that's a question where you feel like it's going to be easy. And so you just start talking. And as you go, you realize, huh, it's a lot more complicated <laughs> than I thought. Um, so you pivot and you try to give the the most coherent answer you can. Um, and so for, for me, um, when my five-year-old asked me that, um, he's seven and a half now, but when he was five and he asked me this question, mommy, who is God? Like what he was asking me, cause context is key, right? He was asking me, um, to ex describe him. Like I would describe myself or my husband, describe, you know, um, a person that he can see, hear, and touch. He, mm -hmm. he wanted to know who is God so that, 
you know, if I'm going to have a relationship with this person, who is he? Fair. Fair. It's a fair Mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. So um, I decided to just pick an aspect of God and start to try to explain it in a way that he could understand. God, he, he knows me. I'm his parent. He understands the relationship of a parent and a child. So I took the aspect of God as a father, a loving father who, um, you know, loves him unconditionally more than mommy and daddy, which kind of blew his mind a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because how could anybody love him more than mommy? I have a hard time understanding that, but Mm -hmm. we know it's true. Um, So I would give him examples to kind of show him, you know, you, you show mommy and daddy respect you know you don't there are certain ways you don't talk to those in authority you have to show respect Mm -hmm. god is worthy of all our reverence and and whatnot but he's also loving he loves you he just wants to hear about your day even though he sees everything he wants you to tell him he wants you to talk to you know to talk to him about it he wants you to come to him when you've done something wrong so that he can help you learn and grow you know um i used words that were a little more five-year-old friendly um but basically that, to, to just put it in a quick nutshell, is I tried to use examples that he could understand in his little life at the time mm-hmm. to, to give him just a small fraction of, of who God is and let him know that there are many other parts to God. But this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of a part of him that we're, you know, we're kind of focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so... I was thinking about this too, because when I think about it, Nora has kind of asked me that question and we have not really, you know, again, three-year-old attention span is not that high, so I don't have to answer them quite as intensely as you do yet. But you do start thinking about the filling in the blank, right, of God is blank. Mm -hmm. And you very quickly realize if you have this conversation with more than a couple of people in a room, which I have in a couple of different seminary classes and small groups, people answer it in so many different ways. Like, and you you would think... Like, oh, obviously everyone thinks this. So like for me, I do, I would say the first two things I think of when I think of who is God, I, I'd say God is father and God is creator. Um, in part because of, I grew up reciting the Apostles' Creed a lot. And so that opens with, I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. And so that's kind of like that first section about that particular aspect of God. And it gets, we haven't even really touched on this yet. And we'll probably touch on this in a later uh, episode because it's a whole thing in and of itself but we when you have a trinitarian god like we do who has very three kind of distinct aspects and how we talk about god as god the father god the son god the holy spirit and when usually when i think of god well technically god is all three of those but usually when when i hear the word god i think god the father aspect right not necessarily jesus but Mm -hmm. jesus is also god and the holy spirit is also god and so that has implications for how we talk about that to our kids because yeah again Rory is maybe a little like not old enough to fully comprehend it, but like, like it's hard enough for us to comprehend as adults. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have that aspect and then you also have things where it just varies too, depending on your own personal experience. Like even just, even if, even if everyone in a group of 10 people said, oh yeah, the first thing I think of as when you hear the word God is, oh yeah, God is father. Say it's 10 Christians in a room because that's, also not getting into like what do people say when they're not of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so say you have 10 Christians in a room and everyone just by chance happened to say God is father. Well, you're going to have 10 different experiences with how people think about their fathers. I have a really good relationship with my father and all the father figures in my life, both my grandfathers, 
uncles, you know, it's, I I'm blessed to have come from, you know, not a perfect family by any stretch, but a pretty healthy family immediate family in terms of like really positive interactions, you know, all that kind of thing. And I have friends who have extremely different experiences with either completely absentee fathers, abusive fathers, whether emotionally or physically, um, somewhere in between, um, just very complicated relationships with fathers that thinking about God as a father is not necessarily a positive, warm, comforting image for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they might not want to use that descriptor when they're talking about it to their kids, or maybe they are the parent who like say a single mom who had an abusive husband. Well, they don't want their kid to associate God as father with their earthly biological father. So then how do you answer that as, you know, a parent in that situation? And so it's like, it's like you say, you start thinking, Oh, this is going to be an easy question to answer. And then it's very quickly. It's, it's like, um, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor of like, I guess maybe an iceberg is the only, it's the biggest one that comes to mind, but like mm-hmm. something even more tumultuous than that. Right. Like right. you have a little, you have a little hint, maybe like a, like an undertow type of situation where if you know what you're looking for, you can see the signs on the surface of the water, that there's something big underneath the surface, but it's not basically until you're caught in it and suddenly struggling to try and get back to, you know, to the beach or whatever that you realize like just how powerful and problematic sometimes that that situation can be. And so, um, again, when we think about the reason why we've kind of come to this podcast and why we're talking about some of these questions is if we aren't thinking about this ourselves and how we think about it in our lives, we're not going to be able to necessarily figure out the best way or at least feel prepared as prepared as we can be when our kids ask us these questions. It's also a question that you have to kind of, you know, um, like you and I were talking about a little bit before we um, started the podcast. It also depends on where you and if you're married, where your Mm -hmm. spouse Mm -hmm. is coming from. Mm -hmm. You think it's a simple question. You answer it to your child. You share with your spouse later. Oh, yeah. You know, Rory asked me this question and I answered it like this. And the response you assume is going to be, oh, that's great. Sometimes it's, oh, I didn't. Oh, that's an interesting way of putting it. Well, how would you put it? And then it turns into a big discussion about, oh, huh, I didn't, I didn't know that that was how you saw it. Oh, okay. You know, and it it turns into one of those where, you know, hopefully you can come to a middle of the road, you know, um, understanding to where you can teach your child. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a fine dance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's definitely a fine dance. And it's one of those things where reading the Bible doesn't actually always help us like it does mm-hmm. I say that and not not wanting to have someone like quote me out of context and just put that clip on TikTok to be like the Bible isn't helpful it's like well no the Bible is <laughs> sometimes too helpful but you also kind of have to know how to read it in some ways because mm-hmm. it can feel especially in the Old Testament there's certain things that can feel like what exactly is going on here like what is mm-hmm. what is the point of this description and so I was, I was just actually just listening uh, earlier today to an episode um, of the, the Bible Project where they were interviewing uh, Michael Heiser, who's an Old Testament and Hebrew scholar, and they were talking about the name of God. And I'll link to it in the show notes because if, if you're like me, this is extremely fascinating stuff. And I took biblical Hebrew a couple semesters of it, but I, I didn't even 
I admittedly was pregnant at the time, so I feel like I forgot most of what <laughs> I learned in my <laughs> Hebrew class um, because I was in a bit of a pregnancy days. But I, I, I remember kind of talking about this a little bit, but not to this extent where, um, I mean, Hebrew itself and biblical Hebrew especially can be so complicated because there's a lot of words where that's, it's, it's not quite the same as modern Hebrew. And so there's a lot of words or phrases where that literally the only time we know of its existence is in the Bible. And so we're like taking the best stab at what it means. Um, like if you look at your footnotes uh, in your study Bible or whatever, like all those, like, oh, maybe this or maybe this or the word in Hebrew was not quite certain. Um, there's a lot of that. But then there's also a lot of nuances and things in our English translations that um, get missed sometimes or get they're, they're just hard to, to explain. And so they were going into this conversation about the name of God and talking about um, how God re has revealed himself, particularly to Moses. Um, and, uh, but also a little bit like kind of in tracing some of this through like Genesis and Exodus in particular, but just in general of the Torah. And I hadn't realized this um, until I was listening to this conversation, but in the, in the passages where, um, can't remember the exact passages out of Exodus, but like basically around the time when um, like the Israelites are getting ready to leave Egypt, the rescue from where uh, God saves them from the pursuing Egyptians to the part in the Red Sea. And then later on in things like the, the giving of the Ten Commandments um, and God appearing on Mount Sinai and all this stuff. Like there's a lot of these references to God or the Lord God. Um, but actually there's like four different ways the Hebrew talks about God. And so they have like, what we kind of people know is like Yahweh, which is the name of God. Like that's the name that Hebrews aren't supposed to, Israelites aren't supposed to say that's because that's the literally the, the name that God gives them through the burning bush. Um, but then there's also um, the, uh, I'm blanking on the way they refer to it in the actual Hebrew, but it, it literally, it, it's the name of God. So it's not even Yahweh. It's like the name of God, which they went into this whole really fascinating tangent, which I won't get too deep into. It's basically like, is this actually referring to Yahweh the name or is it like a different character aspect of God that he's revealing himself in this way? Um, like the example they were kind of going into a little bit is in Psalm 20 when it opens with, um, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. And obviously like there's poetic license because it's a Psalm, but when it says may the Lord, and then right away, next line is, may the name of God of Jacob. That's one of those instances where it's Yahweh is the first one. And then the name of God protect you, but it's being used in like a noun form. So it's like actually doing an action and it's not just like a, so it's like, how do, how do you translate that exactly? Or what does that mean? Is that, is that supposed to be revealing something or is it just another way? And so they were kind of getting all into that and talking about the power of how God reveals to himself, just in the names of God. Um, and then like they were talking about, there was one of like a couple instances where it's actually an angel of the Lord, but it's different than like, is it, it's not Gabriel, like in the new Testament where God reveals himself or like where an angel reveals himself. It's like, no, it's actually like, um, I think it's Exodus. I don't remember the exact pa passage in Exodus, but there's one passage in Exodus where God is telling Moses that he will send an angel and it, the angel will have my name inside him basically is like the, the almost literal translation out of the Hebrew. And so it's like, it's then they're like, is that an early, you know, appearance of Jesus? Or is it like some kind of like God in human form or like how did that, and they ended up being like talking about how that 
at least in some aspects, that's like the cloud and fire and how God reveals himself in that form. And it's like, as you start going through these conversations, you, you, you realize and think about how God has revealed himself just in Genesis and Exodus, all these instances where God is slowly kind of revealing himself to, to his people. Like you, you have different characteristics come to the fore at the same time. And you start seeing revealing God, revealing himself more through the giving of the law, things that he prioritizes like justice, um, like righteousness, holiness, um, absolute devotion to the name of Yahweh. So you have all of that complication. And then you get into stories like what we just, um, Meg and I heard today in our church sermon at Damascus Road, where we're talking about the story of Jephthah in Judges and uh the very story. lighthearted book though Ex- judges oh my gosh judges was like <laughs> exhibit a of like this is such why why if anyone thinks that oh yeah the bible is where you should go to learn great wisdom and every answer you question you have will be answered it's like no it will not just read Judges. like it will but it won't mostly in the questions of like why would you include that but jephthah is actually a really good question because you have the spirit of the lord comes on jephthah and then jephthah has fear and doubt because he says, if you give me this victory, then I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house. And then the first thing that comes out of his house later, we read is his only child. And we have already learned in the Torah in earlier books, like Leviticus, especially that uh, child sacrifice is absolutely abhorrent to God, but it, the passage ends with, uh, let me look this up. So I, don't misquote it either. Let's see. After the two months, she returned to her father, and he did to her as he had vowed, and she was a virgin. And then talks about how there was a tradition that they go and commemorate his daughter. So, like, it's ambiguous as we were learning to discussing today in, in church. It's like a, it's kind of ambiguous. There's some con- debate on whether or not he actually went through with the sacrifice, like the actual physical sacrifice, and burnt his daughter on an altar like he said he was going to do or if she ended up just being becoming basically like a a tabernacle priestess um kind of like a samuel that we read about in samuel mm-hmm. but either way there's this question of okay so jephthah makes this promise while he has the spirit of the lord but then the lord is kind of silent and just like not actually condemn him the there's no condemnation necessarily directly from the writer which that we would want which we could get into a whole conversation on whether or not that actually is how hebrew writers would have written it anyway because it's kind of you can read between the lines and a lot of this stuff of like if you've been reading the torah you should know that you would not make that promise lightly or at all um but that how what does that say about god like what if if he is so abhorrent to child sacrifice and to like being so distinct from the other gods of the region where child sacrifice was kind of the norm to them. Like that's, he's, he's like, this is abhorrent to me. Why didn't he say anything? Cause he had been talking and he had like, you know, th- those are the kinds of moments where you're like, so what, who is God? Like what, why would he do that? And that's the other reason why it gets so complicated. And I know Megan, you have a lot of thoughts on this, which again, I think we're going to get into this in another podcast, but you know, the hard quest, like, I think, why it's so hard is you have the the who is god question is can be become so quickly very tied with why does god let bad things happen mm-hmm. which books and books yes, and books I've and had books to and have books. that conversation yeah <laughs> with my seven-year-old 
and uh, we can we can save that conversation. That is a podcast for another time. Oh yeah, and that's one where obviously books and books and books and books have been written mm-hmm. about that topic. But I think again, it, we it's just getting back to what we were talking about earlier of how. <laughs> If we're not thinking through what is going to be our response to this question, you can barely quickly get into the weeds that you might you might personally not be ready emotionally or otherwise to deal with, but also like quickly recognizing like, oh, you know what? I don't think my kids are actually ready to hear this question or at least the ans- all of the answers to this question. So then it kind of, be, kind of becomes mm-hmm. what is the context for how we, how we kind of yeah. talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm always a big, um, I'm always a big uh, advocator for it's okay to say, I don't know if, if your child asks you a question or that's a really big question. Why don't you let me take some time? I'll think about it tonight after you go to bed and we'll talk more about this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, Because your, your first instinct is, oh, it's an easy question and you want to just answer it. But there are certain questions that you don't want to answer on a whim and then have to go back and be like, so about that conversation we had last week, you know, you, it's okay to tell your child that this is a really big question mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that I'm giving you the best possible answer. I would rather step away, take some time to pray about it, think about it, and then come back and say, all right, I thought about it. Let's, let's have this conversation. Um, now, again, my oldest is seven, so I haven't had to do that a whole lot because the questions, though difficult, are ones that I feel I can at least give a baseline answer to. But I know that the day is coming where we're going to get the big questions mm-hmm. and I am going to have to put on my bravest face and go, that is a very deep question. Um, and it's one that I would like to talk to your dad about, you know, to kind of figure out how we want to how we want to fully answer this question for you and I know that day is coming again haven't really had a whole lot of those yet but mm-hmm. I know they're coming and so those of you who may have older children I just want to encourage you it is okay to take a step back and really think about it before you give a knee-jerk answer it you know so just you know just encouraging whoever's listening to this whatever age you're at your kids are at whatever stage you know to just encourage you to make sure that you're you're giving them good solid counsel and wisdom rather than just a blowing off the question or a knee jerk re- reaction or answer mm-hmm. um because that's not going to help either <laughs> so yes. you know and it'll be good for them to see how to answer difficult questions you know mm-hmm. it's okay for them to see that we we are not god we are not omnipotent we are not all knowing Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to look up an answer. Sometimes we have to seek counsel from those who are wiser than us, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think that is that is really really good advice. I think the other thing for me for people who might be like me, um, who are maybe either more steeped and thinking about things on a, like a college or seminary level, and used to thinking about this like very broadly academically, or who for one reason or another have been very concerned with um, I need to make sure my children have the right doctrine and the right understanding um, because if they don't understand it in the right way, then it could really lead them astray. Um, I, I, I say this not wanting to um, belittle or demean or lessen the importance of, of good doctrine because I... <laughs> 
I went to seminary in part because I wanted to learn more and, and explore more and learn more about the history of why we have gotten to where we are in, in various denominations and stuff. And I definitely um, have strong opinions on some things doctrine-wise over other things. But I think really, and, th- and th- this actually is also a, a thing that we, we've kind of hinted at in some conversations and might be worth a conversation down the road all on its own. But it, it, it really, at the end of the day, there's a, there's a level of how much do I want my kids to be right when it comes, like thinking things that are right in their mind versus behaving and acting the right way in their heart. And I think that it actually kind of, it's on my brain because of thinking about that, that interpretation we were talking about earlier of um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. Does it mean to don't cuss or does it mean something different? And it's not to say that cussing is, you know, encouraging your children to understand the value of language and why some words should not be used is important and why we shouldn't carelessly say things like, oh my God, without really thinking through like what we're saying when we're saying them. Mm -hmm. I'm also a, I was an English major for my undergrad and have um, in another life, I was a linguist kind of a thing. So I have a very strong appreciation and value of words and their meaning and, and not taking them lightly. But at the same time, I really think that um, it's really just so important. I, I, I go back to the passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, I think it is, where Paul's saying things like, if I have the gift of all the knowledge, if I have all these things, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And like, I think there's actually one where he talks about yeah, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, which, you know, that's pretty powerful, like, knowledge and faith, but do not have love, I am nothing. And then he goes into the famous love passage a little a couple of verses later of love is patient, love is kind. Um, and if you aren't familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, I, I highly recommend it. But I think that in conjunction with um, the passage in Galatians 5 where he's talking about the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Uh, I, you start to really see this and, and throughout both actually, ironically, the Old Testament and the New Testament about how there is this call from God to like, yes, I want you to do the right things. Jesus Jesus says too, like talking to the Pharisees, you hypocrites, like you talk about giving, you know, these proper tithes and all these things, which aren't actually even in directly in Torah. They're in different um, interpretations of the law, like tithing your spices and things, but you don't care for your parents. You don't care for, you know, the, the people who are um, at risk in your community who, you know, in a, in a kind of life and time where you really need the community to survive if you don't have your own family and friends. Um, I think Jesus specifically talks about their parents and not honoring their father and mother. Like you should have done one without forgetting the other. He says like both are important, but if you don't have that heart, then all of the right doctrine in the world is not going to help you. And in fact, it can, can 
make it feel worse. That's part of what the whole problem was with the Pharisees that Jesus had. And it gets to, <laughs> oh, uh, to fully out myself as the, the biggest parent, um, it gets to what the episode of Bluey <laughs> called Chess, that I can name this specifically, where um, the dad bandit is trying to teach Bluey Chess because he wants her to be smart. And um, the they end up kind of the moral of the story is it's like, Basically, Chili, his wife says, like, teach the heart first. The head comes later. And it's a very cute episode. If you if you are a parent that somehow has managed to escape Bluey because you're, you don't want to have yet another, like, completely thing your kids are addicted to. This is actually one where I let my kids watch it too much because I'm definitely the parent that's like, oh, I want to watch more. Like, I, I, I kind of want to watch this without my kids interrupting me every five minutes so I can watch. It's definitely a, a, a cartoon that is made by adults for adults with the added bonus of the kids really like it too. It, it wasn't created just by adults. It was created by parents. It oh, was clearly, clearly created by parents with young kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, so I have so many memes that pop up on Facebook and Instagram now because they know I watch Bluey. But anyway, we're not going to turn this into a Bluey podcast. I'm sure there's probably <laughs> one of those out there. Um, but all that is to say is um, that's one of the reasons actually why I like the show because at its heart, it gets kind of at to some of these things of, it's uh, it's about the heart first and foremost in kids. And I think there's so much good research out there about how, you know, those pivotal moments of like love, connection, like you and you can kind of look back on your own life at this and think about things that are either the most meaningful or the most traumatic. You might not necessarily remember exactly what happened or what was said in certain moments, depending on the age that you were at or the level of, you know, either love or trauma that you feel from it. But like you, you remember it like the Maya Angelou quote of like, you, you remember how you feel. Like you might not remember what they say, but you remember how they make you feel. I think it was Maya Angelou who said that. I'm sorry if that's completely out of not the right person, but um, it's that heart aspect that I think is most vitally important. I think that's honestly, I do think that's kind of what Jesus is getting at with faith, like a child too. There is that sense of like, the heart of a child is one that feels strong feelings and much to the chagrin of every um, parent who's dealing with a toddler tantrum right now, those feelings go beyond their ability to communicate said feelings. So trying to figure out how to nurture their hearts in a way will also kind of help them manage the head. And so this is where I'm hoping that this podcast can kind of be a research resource for both of those. Um, and a, a place for parents like me who really are like so thoughtful uh, and really for usually good reasons of wanting to have right doctrine, remember that it's okay to not have that all the time. You want to make sure you're not doing things that are completely blasphemous if you know, know better, but it, it's, I think, cultivating that heart of wanting to learn and keep asking questions, but also being like, to love, to show those fruits of the spirit is kind of, and understand how you, how you relate to God in those ways and how God relates to us in those ways, because we have the fruits of the spirit because the spirit is working through us. And if we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then that's, those are attributes that God has. And, and that's why this question is, is, it's a hard one, but it's such a good one for kids mm -hmm. because it can cultivate that, you know, that desire to learn 
you know, because we see this aspect of God. We've experienced this aspect of God. God is love. Have you experienced, you know, God's love? Have you experienced, you know, God's forgiveness? Have you, you know, in these facets, but then you can explain to your child that there's so much more to discover. There's so much more to grow in and encourage them to, you know, why do we go to church every Sunday? You know, mommy, why, why are we reading the Bible? Why do we have our devotions? Why do we have our talking about God time? Because we want to learn more about God. We want to grow in him. We, we don't know everything there is to know about him. And we want to continue to know him and grow Mm -hmm. in him and learn God is fill in the blank. We're constantly Mm -hmm. learning. And that's why this is Mm -hmm. such a beautiful question. Again, can't say this enough, a hard question to answer and almost impossible question to fully Mm -hmm. answer, but such a good one, especially when teaching young children, because it, it will kind of encourage them to seek more, to understand why learning more, growing more, is so important because we want to continue to learn and grow in God. Why, you know, you can turn that around just just today my my husband and my kids were sitting around this little table we have with a Lego set that they're building together and the whole time they're building Rory's asking Josh, "Daddy, tell me more stories about when you were little. Tell me more stories about you." Because Rory has a desire to know his father to know more about daddy and daddy's life. And he talks my ear up all the time and wants to know all my stories. Mm -hmm. And that's how we want them to be with God. You Mm -hmm. know, you can go to God and be like, father, who are you? You know, Mm -hmm. please show me more of who you are today. And we can instill that in our children, Mm -hmm. whatever the age, you know, to constantly encourage them to find out God is. And then one day you'll be able to ask them, Rory, who is God? Who is he to you? And when they can actually give you an answer back, it's such a beautiful moment. You know, it's such a beautiful circle of we've taught them what we could. And then now you tell me, you know, what, how do you see God? And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful full circle moment um, that comes just by continuing to seek out the answer ourselves, to let them seek out their answer to just ask questions and just continue talking. I love that. And it it fits right in with the journey that humanity has been on literally since the creation of getting to know this God who speaks everything into existence and is completely on, on one level unknowable, incomprehensible, and yet walks in the garden each day with Adam and Eve and wants to know them and know them more and can Again, the, the story of the Bible is how God reveals himself to answer the question, who is God mm-hmm. and who are we to him yeah. and how do we relate with him? Yeah. And, uh, and he can't be put in that. a box. Yeah. He can't be put in a box just like we can't be put in a box. You know, nobody has just one emotion, mm-hmm. you know, just one part of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Rory recently asked me why God sounds so angry in the Old Testament. <laughs> and I said, he, you know, and I said, Rory, he's like, I thought God was loving. And I'm like, he is. But if you do something that you shouldn't and mommy and daddy are not very happy with you, does that mean we don't love you? Well, no. Does that mean we're just angry people and we just walk around angry all the time? Well, well, no, you're, you're just, you don't like my behavior and it makes you sad and it makes you upset and I have to have a consequence. 
not his reaction every time he gets in trouble. Let me just tell you, my child is not that is angelic. a calm of the moment response. <laughs> that is not like a one of those of the that is one of those like encounter. yes, I had a breakthrough parenting moment, and then of course five seconds Out the later window. he's fighting with his his siblings. But anyway, um, but in that moment, you can use that to explain. You know, God is not one dimensional either. Yes, there are moments when he is angry. When he sees sin and it just breaks his heart, he sees humanity, these, you know, the, these people that he loves so deeply doing such terrible things. It does make him sad. It makes him angry, but he also is full of love and he's full of grace and he's full of forgiveness, you know? And so that's a way that we can help continue that on is to remind them, you are not one-dimensional. I am not one-dimensional. We don't just have one emotion. And so when our children ask us, well, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament sound like two completely different people. Well, with mommy, it really depends on the situation and the day. I could sound like two completely different people. You know, it depends on the situation. And God is so much bigger and greater and more awesome than we are. And he feels things so much deeper and so much more fully than we do so how much more is it going to seem like his emotions are so big because mm -hmm. he is so big yeah. you know and that's a whole separate conversation too about the old testament god versus new testament god mm -hmm. and how different actually are they and how how much love is there in the old testament that mm -hmm. we miss sometimes because we see things in a way but that's yeah. a conversation for which is day. why who is god is such a complicated question <laughs> and will never be answered in its no. entirety and if I say this, this would be the part of the podcast where we would attempt to try and say, here is an answer that you can provide. And I think the answer is, it depends on what your context is. And because what the answer you give your child is also going to be different if they're asking in a moment when what the question they're actually really asking is, is why, who, why would God let bad things happen? Because mm -hmm. that could be a, a source of a who is God question. Or if it's, you know, like in the instances that I've had with Nora, it's, you know, we're just reading her children's Bible or singing a song that happens to mention the word God. And she's like, oh, yeah, who is God? Or like you say with Rory, like, talk about God. Like, tell me about God the way that you would tell me about dad, you know, like, mm -hmm. or grandma or grandma, like the next person in the room. Like, I want to get to know this person. And what are they like? And and so then you have you have different answers there. And it's okay for both of them. And like mm -hmm. we said, throughout this podcast and in probably every ever episode to come it's not easy and the point is not to make it easier in the sense of here's your pat answer the doctrinally correct answer and uh, go along your day but it's more of a embrace the fact that you're going to have to explore that mm -hmm. and no you're not alone yeah. we're doing it too we're doing it too so thank you for listening in if uh speaking of community and we're you're not alone we're doing this if you want to connect with us directly you can email us at faith like a child pod at gmail.com i'm in the process of trying to set up a facebook community and i i'm one of those people that i'm on facebook only to look at other people's pictures so i haven't really actually interacted with the facebook uh side of things in a long time um so by the time you hear this it may or may not be up and running but if it is running i will put it a link in the show notes if not it will be coming soon so that you can join in community and share some thoughts ideas if you want and if you liked this episode and liked this discussion and want to hear more first off subscribe so you don't miss an episode we come out every other week so it's a little less common than some other podcasts um which sounds about right for busy parents all around yeah. um 
if you have a little moment to leave a five-star review so that other parents can find us, that would be great. But mostly we want you to share this with people in your life that you think might benefit from it. Friends, uh, grandparents, aunts and uncles, other caregivers in your life, teachers, basically anyone who you think might benefit from a conversation like this, feel free to send it forward to them in a text or an email. That's how that's how we want to grow because, we, again, we want this to be a community that people know that they're not alone. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of helpful when people they know are the ones sharing uh, it with them. So with that, we are going to sign off and we will talk with you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome back to Faith Like a Child podcast. I am your host, Megan. Oh my gosh. I am looking at Megan. Let's start that one again. I am not Megan. That'd be a I good am the blooper. other. Yeah, there you go. That'll, that'll be our stinger at the end. We're having a crisis of identity. Oh my gosh. People call me Megan all the time, but I am not in fact Megan. <laughs>